Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I am your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok, and you're tuned in. It's our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining me virtually in the studio, I've got an entrepreneur. She's more of an author, but same thing. She's selling her books. She's making money. She wants you to buy them. She's an entrepreneur. She has a story to tell. And she's here from Bismarck, North Dakota. It's Cat Socks. She's an author writing stories about dogs and other subjects for children. Kat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. This was uh, one of those weird podcast episodes that Houston Traffic made it seem like was not supposed to happen because, uh, you know, my 430 ETA turned into a 530 actual arrival thanks to like two car fires, three accidents, all this crazy stuff. Sounds like an end of the world story. And honestly, it's hard for me to believe it when I say it, but it really happened. It's been insane. But before we hop into it and get to this thing, we always start out with an icebreaker question here. And today's icebreaker question is you can't time travel, but your phone has the internet from five years in the future. What are you going to search for first? Well, I love to travel. So I'm always searching for that. And I'd probably search for something about travel, where I want to (laughs) go. Yeah, I'm a little more greedy. I think I'm going to search for what companies have taken off and then invest all of my money in the stock market for that company. Like just straight up money grab. That would probably be my dream scenario, knowing, you know, what companies are taking off, like who's the next Google or the next Facebook or, you know, something like that. So I can invest my money. I don't know. Part of me, too, would be kind of curious as to where I wound up in five years. So I would want to maybe search my own name and see, like, I don't know, did my podcast you know, become a top 1% podcast. And now I'm up there with uh, the Joe Rogans and all of those crazy podcasters, or should I just stop now? You know, that might be my question. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's like being able to just peer into the future, man, I would be super excited for it. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, aliens are real now. That's what the government says. So who knows <laughs> what technology we'll have? Maybe this is something that we're going to be able to do soon. Crazier things probably have occurred. So Right. We'll be teleporting everywhere. <laughs> I know. That's what I, I wish, because then I would have made my appointment with you that was supposed to be at four, you know, so. Right. <laughs> but here we are. Before we hop into it, last bit of housekeeping I always have to do is talk about our sponsors. And if you're an entrepreneur out there that's tired of juggling multiple platforms for your marketing and sales needs, it's time to revolutionize your business with Wingman. Wingman is an all-in-one marketing automation software. It's designed by experienced marketers who understand your struggles. It's a game changer that combines the best tools to streamline your communication, automate your workflows, and grow your business. You can capture leads using landing pages, surveys, forms, and more. You can nurture them with personalized messages via voicemail, SMS, emails, and even Facebook Messenger. You can close those deals with built-in tools to collect payments, schedule appointments, and track your analytics. Say goodbye to multiple marketing tools and hello to Wingman, your unified platform for all of your business needs. Enhance your online presence, manage your reputation effectively, and cultivate leads effortlessly. 
If you're ready to take your business to new heights, visit trustyourwingman.com today and let Wingman be your co-pilot to success because every business needs a wingman. But Kat, we're here to talk about you. We want to know where you came from, how you got into entrepreneurship, writing books, doing all of this stuff. What is your origin story? So my background, um, I'm originally from Bismarck, and then I went to college in Fargo at NDSU. I graduated with a um, business degree and then kind of worked in higher education, did a few things, and then moved back to my home land, I guess, of Bismarck. And then I got my master's there, um, MBA. And I just, I've always wanted to start my own business. And um, I also work in the insurance industry. I work with funeral directors around our state of North Dakota. And I really love my job and everything, but I've just, I've always had this calling that I wanted to start a business. And so one day I just woke up and I said, I'm going to do it. I don't, just like a side hustle. And so I started making little baby booties. Um, I like to sew and I made these for my son and everyone wanted me to make them for their kids. And so I just started there and, uh, it just went really well. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to keep going. And with my business, I really wanted to give back to the community. So I donated a portion of my sales to animal shelters and kind of incorporated animals into what I was doing. And uh, this dog named Pickles was part of that. And her story was just kind of interesting in that she was um, in Minot, North Dakota during a major flood that we had and she kept getting returned to the shelter over and over. And a family member of mine ended up with her. And she's just like the best dog ever. And I would think, why did you get returned? Like, why didn't people want you? And so I decided, I think I'm going to write a book about pickles. And I love children's books, love reading to my son. And I just woke up one day and said, this is what I'm going to do. And I did it. And it it just went really well. I won six national awards, became a number one bestseller. And then I thought, okay, this went really well. I better keep going. So then I did three in that series. Um, in the first one, it's Pickles, a dog adopted. And in that story, Pickles gets adopted to a family that lives on a farm. She's never been to a farm before, so she gets into a little mischief. Then the little girl figures out how to train her and teach her to be safe on the farm. And then I did a Christmas one, and that one is actually based on a Midwestern German tradition of hiding a pickle ornament in the tree. I don't know if you've ever seen those in the stores. Um, I have not. No. Okay. So what you're supposed to do is have a, a pickle ornament, and you hide it in the tree. And it's actually kind of hard to find because they're green, and the tree's all right. green. So um, anyways, you, you look for that. Whoever finds it first gets a special gift. And so that's kind of incorporated in the book. And then there's a search and find for kids to find hidden pickles throughout the pages. And then um, the, the third one in that series is Pickles the Dog Goes to School. In that one, they go to school and they learn about ways to deepen the connection between humans and animals. Um, I've been a certified pet therapy handler for many years. I volunteered at a facility with my great Dane, Carmela, for most of her life, and she just recently passed away. But, um, you know, so it, I, 
I just incorporated all, all those loving things that I would do, meeting kids and working with them. And she would actually come with me on certain school events and author signings and stuff. So I did those. And then um, I did a board book called Babies of the Badlands. I love hiking in our national park in Medora. And so it's the baby animals that live in that national park. And then my son, he loves dinosaurs. And one day he goes, Mom, I really want to write a book like you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, you don't even know how to read yet. Or, <laughs> um, and so I said, well, what would you write about? And he said, well, I would write about my favorite dinosaur, Spinosaurus. I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Um, and I said, well, what would you put in it? You know, what would be the story? And he wanted it to rhyme and have fun facts. So it's this cute little rhyming fun fact um, dinosaur book. Um, and then I also work in the funeral industry and uh, a funeral director friend of mine, we were talking one day and she's like, you know, there's not a lot of tools and resources for families that have kids. And we decided to partner and create a set of books that would help children during the funeral process and during a time of loss. So with those books, it shows um, that introduction of someone passing away and then it shows what a visitation, a funeral, and a graveside service might look like. And then it shows uh, different grieving and mourning activities that you can do individually and as a family. There's places where kids can write and they can draw. And um, it's just a great tool that uh, families can use. And then we had so many requests to do a pet version after doing the human version. So that's where we are today. And uh, the pet version just re released just a couple weeks ago. So we're really excited about that. I mean, these are real things that families go through. You know, we were we were talking prior to the show here. And I told you, even through all the loss I've gone through in my life, I didn't know when we recently were dealing with my mother-in-law, who was on hospice at our home. So a very personal, deep connection to someone who's going to pass away. And we know that. And I've got three kids here. You know, and so they're watching Granny. They're seeing her getting sicker, and I mean, they called her Granny, but you know, she was fifty. Now I'm gonna sound really bad to my wife. I want to say fifty-seven. She was young. She was she's young in her fifties, and my kids are having to deal with this loss even before the actual loss happened. And then me not knowing what to say somehow, having been through this myself, which. I think is a common theme we see with a lot of people is, you know, even though I've been through it, I still don't know what to say because honestly, there's not much you can say. Dealing with death seems to be something you have to personally go through and grow with and kind of learn how you're going to deal with it yourself. And so I've got these kids that I'm trying to balance between seeing this, dealing with the reality, and then even after her death and going to the funeral, you know, my son, my oldest, his first funeral he ever went to, he was five. So he doesn't remember that, you know, and now he's 14. And so I've got a 14 year old an eight year old and a four year old trying to deal with being at this funeral, a very heavy, somber event for a lot of people. And there's not a whole lot of resources out here that I can just go pick from to kind of make it make sense for my kids. And one thing that they love doing is reading, especially before bedtime at night. And so I think that something like this would absolutely help them to, you know, take those emotions they have internally and then be able to express them properly and deal with it properly because my life is riddled with not properly dealing with death and loss, you know, as a child and as an adult. And then on top of that, I think one of the age old things that parents ever have gone through is 
that very first loss of a pet, you know, and it's like, do I tell my child that, you know, she ran away and went to live on this magical farm and got married or, you know, or do I tell the truth? And we have a hard conversation that, yes, it's going to be hard at first, but we teach them to properly accept it and deal with it. And I, I see this as a resource. You know, I've only been given a digital copy of the book so far. I'm probably going to wind up buying them for my children just because they do love books so much. But it's it's something I want to dive into and learn more about. So, you know, was there anything that had ever occurred prior or was it just truly a request from someone of, hey, here's how you, you know, here's how you should aim your next book. This is what you should focus on is this loss or was it something you've kind of had to deal with as well to, you know, teach your kids or go through with them or your child? Yeah. So we had so many requests to do a pet version and, um, you know, I, I really wanted to do that, but I had two great Danes. They were my first dogs I'd ever had in my life. I, Love them dearly, and they both passed away last year. And so I was going through that loss with my dogs and with my son. And um, when Pickles died too, that was a huge event for my son. But um, it, it's a little different when you live with those dogs every day and you see them and you see kind of that aging progression in them. And in the the pet version, we show a little bit of the age progression in there. It's kind of a more natural death. And so that can be kind of frustrating when the dogs might have an accident and they might not want to be playing with you anymore. They just want to sleep and they don't even want to eat and they don't want to do all those things that you used to do. And that was frustrating for my son. You know, he I was like, well, why doesn't Carmela want to play? And she keeps having accidents on the floor. And it just, you know, you could see that frustration. And so a lot of what what is in the book was drawn from our real life experience. And my son's experience, he um, had this fear of not being able to say goodbye to our pets when they were dying, because you don't really Mm. know the moment they're going to die unless you, you know, you end up putting them down. And um, so that's incorporated in the book. So the little girl, she is worried that she's not going to be able to say goodbye to Bella. And so she comes up with a creative way that every day she's going to say goodbye to Bella. And every moment she's going to enjoy with her, even though it's not the same as it used to be. And, um, you know, even with humans, when my mom was on hospice, you know, all those moments and those days towards the end, you know, it's getting really close and it's hard and it's really hard to even enjoy those moments. But um, somehow, you know, you have to <laughs> live through that and get through it and um, be there for that other person or that other pet and um, help them along that journey. So that was kind of a lot of the inspiration. And then also they're kind of in the likeness of my dogs, I guess they're Great Danes. Um, And so Bella is a Great Dane in the book. Um, And then the co-author, Lacey, um, she had also experienced loss within her family. And in the end of that story, they end up getting a new dog eventually, just to show that it's okay to love again. And uh, a lot of conversations come about from that too. Um, Lacey was just telling me the other day that her daughter said, you know, I feel a little bad that we got a new dog now because 
our other dog and is it mean to get a new dog and and things like that it you know it's okay to love again it's okay to open up your heart and um, love again and our other dog would probably want that and so that was kind of how she had explained that um, to her daughter but um, yeah so a lot of personal experience really goes into those books I mean what a great way to memorialize the memory of you know these these pups that we all everybody that has animals not everybody but most of us who have animals that are good people we truly love our animals, you know, and it is hard. I mean, I remember specific moments of my life where I've had to say goodbye to pets of mine or pets of, you know, like my dad or my aunt. And it was hard as an empath watching them hurt because they loved the animal so much. Plus, I myself loved the animal so much because my kids are just like me. They have a huge soft spot for animals. So I know my kids would enjoy these books because it's real life things they've dealt with. And it's also things that they can kind of empathize with, you know, loving animals and then feeling that loss whenever you do lose them, unfortunately, which is guaranteed that it's going to happen sometime in our lifetime. As you can tell from behind me, we're big fans of children's books already just because my kids love to read. And one of my favorite things about like, um, you know, The Giving Tree, for instance, one of my favorite books to read. I love reading it to my kids. And what I love is the similarity between your story where you said you're seeing the animal age, you're seeing these things that you are naturally going to deal with and go through. And in the giving tree, it's very similar. You know, we see the young boy who plays with the tree, the tree's beautiful, big, has everything. And then we see the boy become a man and eventually become an elderly man. And the tree gets smaller and smaller because it's giving every part that it has to be something for this boy, whatever the boy wants. And, you know, it's nice to read that book to my children and then have a conversation about how this kind of parallels life. Like, you know, for instance, the giving tree is a lot like your parents, you know, and the story there is the same. We're giving everything that we have for you just because we want you to be happy. On one hand, you're taking, 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 you're going, making the best out of your life and enjoying it. And then one day in the end, you're going to realize, holy crap, now I don't have my parents because they have, you know, naturally progressed and I've lost them. And like you have gone through and I, you know, you may have them on hospice for quite some time and that's all you have left. And that's kind of like that stump of that tree, you know? And so I, I kind of like see those things and compare them to that. And someone else may have read that book and gotten a completely different interpretation of it than I did. And that's kind of the magic of books and reading, you know, same with music. It's like, you can listen to lyrics and have a completely different experience as cat socks than I'm going to have as John, the marketer. And I love explaining that to my children and letting them see that and enjoy that and just kind of grow in it themselves. So it seems like your stories are kind of similar where I can read these to my children. We can talk about the true meaning behind the story, you know, at its face as a kid, when we were reading these things growing up, we probably just saw a really cool story that we liked and didn't really read into the meaning a whole lot. And then as we become adults, it seems like this could really relate for adults as well. So have you been finding that like that adults are enjoying these books as much as children? Well, it's funny you say that because the most surprising thing that came about from our um you know, grief and loss books was the adults that came to us and said, "Hey, your books actually helped me as an adult." 
For one, I, you know, I had adults that would say, I've never been to a funeral before. My parents never allowed us to go or I'd never had a loss in the family. And so I really didn't even know what to expect or how to explain things because I hadn't been to one before. Um, and then just some of the simple mourning and grieving activities that we could do. They're like, man, I um, was just at a funeral a couple weeks ago where um, the guy, he loved peanut M&Ms. And so they incorporated that into the luncheon and everybody had peanut M&Ms. And it's just those simple things that create um, that personalization and memories of that person. In the story, they make monster cookies because their grandma was famous for making those. And I think everyone kind of has either a favorite food or they were famous for making something. I know my my grandma, she was famous for making these special dinner rolls. And so I always remembered her making those and um, just having those beautiful memories about it. And even with my mom, um, on her last Mother's Day, we planted flowers and they were petunias because she doesn't have a green thumb. I don't either. And um, they're pretty hearty. <laughs> and we went out for ice cream. She was feeling well enough to do those things, even though she was really sick. And every Mother's Day, I plant flowers for her. And that's probably been one of the most therapeutic things I've probably ever done because it just it's um, meaningful and it's just this loving memory that I have with her. And it was the last really good memory I had with her. Um, and it's just such a simple thing. It's not this elaborate thing of, um, you know, I, I mean, you can set up scholarships and you can do a million things to honor and remember somebody, but it was just those little things that really were healing for me. And I can do every year to honor her and remember her. Cause you have those days, those, um, kind of those trigger dates, maybe it's a birthday, Mother's Day, um, Christmas, things like that, where it's hard. Every Mother's Day is hard, even though it's been 17, 18 years ago when my mom died. It's it's still hard. And me as a yep. mom, when I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I'm seeing all the mom photos, and I'm like, Oh, man, I wish, you know, my mom was still around. And it's been so long and stuff. So you kind of have those trigger dates, I would say that um, kind of bring up grief and bring up things, even though you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm doing so well. And then one day, you know, something comes up and it just kind of hits you. And I don't know if you've experienced that because I know you've experienced some loss in your life where one day you're like, oh boy, that really hit hard. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help. The last day my dad was alive was New Year's Eve, you know, so New yeah. Year's Day, that morning, probably about four o'clock in the morning is when he passed. And you're right. It's like every New Year's when I want off from work, it's not because I want to go out and party. It's because I want to make sure that I'm there at my dad's gravesite because that's what we do is annually, you know, and you don't think about these things until you see that it's a shared experience and someone's writing about this because they do it too. But every single year we meet out at his gravesite and the last bottle of cheap champagne that he bought for my sister when, when they were celebrating the new year, that's what we do is bust open a couple bottles of that with some really good friends and family that are around. And then we just share stories, um, catch up with each other because unfortunately, like everyone else, you know, some, some of the times we get to see each other are just unfortunate events and we don't make enough time to see each other throughout the year. And so we share those experiences and then we toast with, uh, you know, a glass, a plastic cup in true Gary Kelly style of 
that last cheap champagne that he bought and and we just toast him and then go on you know and and speaking of that like at my mother-in-law's funeral my son the one thing he wanted to do was go to the store and get a bottle of diet coke and put that in the coffin with her because even when she was on hospice here that is all that she wanted was diet coke she didn't drink water gatorade hydration drinks nothing no coconut water absolutely nothing healthy for you it was always diet coke so he was like well i can't let granny go out without a diet coke so we put a bottle of diet coke in there with her and you know it's those little things that kind of bring some normalcy to it all of you know she may be gone but i know she still wants that diet coke so i'm gonna give it to her and it makes them feel better so i'm like absolutely put it in there like nobody's gonna tell you no that's what you're doing and uh it just yeah, those those shared experiences of seeing someone else kind of doing these same things or going through these same feelings is a pretty amazing thing. And you're right. You know, I never even thought of it that way, but there are so many people that are kind of sheltered in a way and may not have gone through a funeral before. You know, I was raised this way, so it's how I raised my children, but I was kind of exposed to those things because it's like you're going to be exposed to it eventually. And instead of having you as an unprepared adult trying to go through it, I want you to be exposed to that. And it's not to denigrate anybody for how they raise their children, because God, it's such a personal decision and nobody's wrong for any choice that they make. You're doing what's best for your child. But we've kind of done the same thing where, you know, when it came to her actually, you know, creepily enough to some people in this exact room that I'm in right now, this podcast studio became a hospice room for my mother-in-law. And this is the room she passed away in. And my children had the choice. As a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 14-year-old, it was, hey, it's okay if you don't want to go in there and see her, you know, but we've got this two hours before the funeral home comes to get her that these are the last moments you can spend with her. If you want to see her, great. If you don't, great. Stay in your room, stay in the living room, go about your night like normal. That's perfectly fine. And, you know, at the funeral, it was a little more of a requirement because it's like, well, all of our family and friends are going to be there, so you're going to have to be there. But you know, same thing. You don't have to go to the coffin and see her if you don't want to. Like, you don't have to remember her that way. You can remember her alive. Or, you know, for me, I know personally, I'm one that I cannot have a funeral without a viewing because I just don't gain that closure. To this day, my best friend who was like a brother to me and passed away, we never had an open casket funeral. And to this day, I still don't feel closure about him being gone. You know, your mind plays these tricks on you and you still have those feelings of, well, maybe he didn't actually die, even though I saw him. You know, I'm the one who found him, called 911, notified his family, all of these things. It's like you still have those weird thoughts because I never gained the closure that I need. But my kids may not be like that. And so it's nice to kind of have that book where you can read about a fictional story. But these children are learning lessons. And even, as you said, some adults are learning lessons. That's that's pretty wild to me. But it makes perfect sense that even as adults, we need to go through these things sometimes. Not everybody had someone to teach them. Yeah, and I love how you let your children lead. And that is exactly what we do in the book is the child leads how involved they want to be, not forcing them to see grandma in the casket or forcing them to get up and talk or do certain things. It's allowing them to decide how they want to participate and how involved they really want to be. Some kids are going to be really interested and want to be really involved and others, they might kind of want to be involved, but not 100% too. So I love, um, you know, you sharing that experience with each of your kids, because each kid is a little different in what they want to do. I'll tell you what shocked me was, 
my daughter, so my, my mother-in-law basically said the only thing she really cared about at the funeral was that she wanted the song, Thank God, by Kane Brown to be played. Mm-hmm. And so, oddly enough, uh, this past school year, at the end of the year, my daughter sang in the talent show, and the song she sang was Thank God by Kane Brown. And so mm-hmm. we just kind of approached her, you know, and we said, hey, this would be an amazing opportunity if you wanted to sing for the family. Uh, sing not really for the family, but for your grandmother. Like she would mm-hmm. love it. She would want you to do it. It would be amazing. Again, like you said, you don't have to. I mean, she very well could have been uncomfortable with it. But let me tell you, it was probably the best version she's ever sang of it. And at eight years old, she stood in front of a lot of people in a funeral home and sang this song. And I was just blown away that she had the courage to do that mm-hmm. and, you know, do it without any nervousness. The last time she had sang it was when school was in session and this funeral happened in the middle of summer. And she practiced one time on the way to the funeral home because we had about a two and a half hour drive. And I was like, well, that's the only practice you've done this entire time. So hope you're ready to do it. And I said, but if you mess it up, don't worry about it. Granny doesn't care. She would just be happy that you did it. And the girl did it almost perfectly. And then everybody was just so blown away. But you're right. You know, it's those little things that unlock a core memory for them. Mm -hmm. And she'll remember that for the rest of her life where she was able to do that. And to me, she may be confused in the future or not understand why she wasn't allowed to participate if you shelter her from that. You know, so that's why we just we're not the world's perfect parents. I can tell you plenty of things that I do that are completely wrong as a father. I'm trying to get better every single day. But one thing I wanted was for them to be able to make the decision of what they're comfortable with. Because I know for me, I was exposed to funerals at an early age and exposed Mm -hmm. to death and mourning loss. Unfortunately, a lot of my family dies early. So, you know, at 35 years old, uh, I am I'm looking at my mid 50s before I'm gone, according to my family's history. I hope that's not right. But um, I, I dealt with a lot of death pretty early on. And luckily, my parents were pretty open helps they were hippies uh but they were pretty open with saying hey what makes you comfortable is what we're going to have you do you know and that's it so it forces them to grow up a little bit but then you know again nothing wrong with it but hopefully they don't turn into those adults that are confused lost and don't know where to go or how to deal with things because i can tell you even as someone who dealt with it i was very confused and lost and didn't know how to deal with things made a lot of wrong decisions in my life so you know could have been worse but uh, thank God I got a, a handle on it and got back dealing with things the way I was supposed to. But it seems like these books are really good preparation, not only for kids, but for adults, too. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of reminded me of a, a story that just happened not too long ago. My son, he was really missing one of our dogs and he brought it up to me. And I thought that that's wonderful that he's bringing it up to me, even though, you know, it's been quite a while now. But Something must have kind of triggered him to, you know, be thinking about that. And so we just sat down and had a conversation, kind of let him lead into that. And um, I said, you know, I I see that we're kind of feeling sad and um, maybe we can do something. And so we decided we were going to look at photos of the dogs and watch some old videos on my phone of them. And if tell funny stories about them because he always loves all these funny stories about before he could remember and when the dogs were puppies and things like that that he wasn't really around for or alive for I guess 
And so I think just like keeping that conversation open and letting the kids know that it's okay to talk about a loved one, even though they're, they're gone. And um, we can still talk about them, share memories about them, and really keep their memories alive in our hearts um, by doing that. I love it. So what's the best way for us to, you know, either connect with you, connect with the company, the books, buy the books and support you? How, how can we go about supporting you? I know, obviously, buying your book really helps out. So I'll encourage everyone to do so. But you know, what other types of things really help you out? Um, so we're on Amazon, um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and um, I have a website, catsocks.com with two S's, so cats, socks. And, um, you know, reach out to me, connect with me in those ways. Um, we also do wholesale for, you know, not only stores, but funeral homes and, and other grief um, organization counselors, anybody that's using the books as resources. Um, and then on the fun side, I guess, you know, pickles ends up in a lot of little shops and things like that, too. So um, that's kind of where where you can find them. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it'd be really cool. I'm definitely going to support and buy at least a book, but it'll probably turn into yeah. more than one. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that's kind of cool, like, to see maybe where pickles travels to in the real world. And uh, kind of pictures and stuff on social media of all these places. Like I know my kids love to travel with their favorite books. Uh, you know, there's two things in their life that's going to go with them everywhere. Uh, one is a Kindle, I guess let's just say three things. One's a Kindle, one is going to be a book or two that they love. And then of course their blanket because they're just attached to blankets. But uh, I mean, absolutely, you know, snapping those pictures and stuff. Um, it's definitely, I think it kind of gamifies it for the kids and feels, you know, fun, interesting, different, even if you're talking about a heavy topic or just something fun, like the mischief that this dog gets into, you know, it just, it helps to teach a lesson to the kids, but also keep it fun, lighthearted, uh, even during a heavy topic. Yeah. And a fun thing I did too, with, um, with a lot of my books, I have stuffed animals that can be bought with the books. And so there's a pickles, the dog, that's this little stuffed animal. And on there, there's oh, an, adop an adoption card on there. And part of her adoption is you have to read to her for 20 minutes every day. And um, it's amazing how families have reached out to me and said, you know what, they saw that and it was the first time their kid actually got excited about reading because they were struggling with it. And those stories just like really touched my heart. And I love hearing those. Um, and there's, there's just been so many of them too, of different stories throughout my career. And I, I really haven't been an author that long. Um, but it's amazing when people reach out to me and tell me amazing stories. I'm just like, wow, I actually am making a difference, <laughs> which is, I never thought I would. <laughs> if I showed you a picture of my children's rooms, and I say that for all three of them, even the 14-year-old, the amount of stuffed animals or toys that you will find in there is insane. So yes. I say, oh God, because I know that my four-year-old and eight-year-old are going to want a stuffed pickles, the dog. Uh, so I will just have to check out the website along with our listeners. Hopefully they check out the show notes and you know, go and support you. And, you know, I mean, the best thing you can do is, of course, buy a book. But the next best thing I would say is probably just sharing that book to social media. It's absolutely free. It's free 99. You don't have to pay anything for it. And you can just share it to social and encourage other people to purchase this book as well. And I think that helps 
probably just as much as long as somebody buys from it. So uh, yeah, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes and make sure that people have the opportunity to support you. Awesome. Thank you. And I think your kids should come over when I get my new shipment of Pickles the dog. I always open everything up and fill a room full of stuffed animals and let my son just play with all of them and dive through them just like he's surfing through the water. It's um, a pretty cool experience for a little kid to be able to play with that many stuffed animals. Oh, yeah. I bet you that, you know, your shipments probably look like my kids' rooms right now. So (laughs) they are pretty used to diving into stuffed animals. I mean, it is just a huge mound. And it's funny, like even going to the store the other night, I forget where we were, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, each of you can pick one thing that we're going to leave here with for you, and that's it. And, you know, of course, one of the things that my kids want is a new stuffy, as they call them. And I'm like, why? You have 368 in each of your rooms and you still want to buy another one. So they're infatuated with them. I'm sure we'll have a Pickles the dog and just have to take a picture and share it when we share the episode, too. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share your personal story and talk to, to me and talk to our listeners about what you're doing. I can't wait to check it out myself and then for our listeners to check it out as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a fantastic time. And listeners, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Small Business Origins. We couldn't do this thing without you. And it truly is our pleasure to bring entrepreneurs, authors, you know, business people, all of these different people with an origin story. They came from somewhere. And the fact that you're interested in where they came from and supporting them means the world to us. So thank you for being here on another week of Small Business Origins. If you want to connect with the show, maybe get somebody on that needs to be on the show, head over to smallbusinessorigin.com, connect with us, leave a voicemail, shoot an email, however you'd like to connect. And of course, we always ask you to like, rate, and review the show. You know, give us that review, let us know how we're doing, but follow us, get in on the inside scoop of knowing when the next episodes are going to drop. But as always, it's every Thursday, you're going to have that new episode. So that's it for us. Another great interview, another great week. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 